Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing April the 20th, 2020. Ben and I have got the mics at the moment and Joe is busy answering the phones. He might come in and out as the phones go quiet, hopefully. So I'm going to start with the feed wheat price, a spot value of 146x. That's about £9 down than from last week's price. There's been a dramatic fall off in the values. Uh, it's a very volatile market. We are between... Well, we're going to talk about this in the chat, aren't we, Ben? Uh, yes, yeah, the, the volatile market. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so in all honesty, you've got a counter-argument of politics, President Putin saying I'm not going to export anything, and a drought balanced with incredibly cheap corn and a very big drop in demand on the basis of, well, there's a debate about the drop in demand, but there is a drop in demand uh, from food and for chickens and for pigs further down the line. Even though you can see a butcher shop selling out of meat, doesn't mean to say there is as much trading to the wholesale sector which is a significant player. So it is or has been a very weak, weak, week for cereals on old crop especially, which is coming up to May tender time. And lots of people have looked at their May futures position and thought, oh, I don't really want to write a check out for some wheat in choice store in the best part of the world. So they've ditched them and they've had to sell the futures a bit cheaper. But the knock-on effect is that the new crop price has come down not as much so the spread between old and new crops gone out this week from £9 to £14 uh, trading today, which is Friday. So the X farm value for November at this point would be about 157 That's off, but it's only off six, six quid or so. So these things have been predicted in the podcast. I've no idea which way the market's going to go. I guess you have to take a bearish stance with the caveat of politics and how long will this drought go on? Last week, we were expecting some rain over the weekend. I'm afraid it skips Norfolk bar about two millimetres. So it's turning into a big problem up here. Feed barley, spot price has gone down. Best value you can hope for is something like 126. I'm not expecting that to improve. Oilseed rape, I think I'll ask Ben about oilseed rape. Any idea? No. Webby's been saying 300 for the last month and a half. He's still saying 300. Should we just say... 300 then yeah go okay. with that. is there anything left to trade on old crop rape there might be a bit out there but yeah it's still 300 i mean the other thing is that obviously new crop rape is there's some very funny looking fields out there mm. and to me i think that farmers are thinking oh look there's going to be a very big price but obviously consumption of oils has gone down yeah so all of a sudden it isn't just a there's less rape out there there's a demand issue it's the ethanol demand issue in europe and word is that there's going to be a carryover of old crop rape to new crop anyway so it's it's not as clear-cut bullish as perhaps we once thought but underlyingly i guess you know certainly the some of the fields i've observed when i used to go out in my car didn't look like they were going to make much of it and we've heard one or two farmers saying i you know i wish i'd ripped it up so mm. and people saying we're not going to grow 
rape again. And that, that's pretty serious. So let's just hope our government stops buying uh, imported stuff that has actually got neonics on it to make it a fair playing field. As we've been saying for a while now, yeah. But they're ramping up production. Oh, sorry, that's another story. Anyway, right, we'll get Joe in and we will have a little chat amongst ourselves. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Get your website working for you with East Coast Design Studio. Want to know how to increase traffic to your website? East Coast Design Studio are offering a free full site assessment and SEO appraisal to help you improve the performance of your business. Each website report comes with a clear, actionable and prioritised list of recommendations that you can implement in order to reach more customers. Want to get more visitors to your website? Go to eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk and click on the ribbon on the homepage. Oh, and did we mention it's free? And now it's time for Farm Chat. Okay, this week we're going to have a chat about market conditions, about obviously we're still in uh, in lockdown, there's you two guys on duty today and I've just popped in to do the podcast and decided to cough all over you to make sure we um, cross-contaminate so all of us go down with it. I'd like to report that um, Norfolk, with the lowest figures of COVID-19 patients in the country, are now apparently having uh, outsiders delivered up to our hospitals because they can't socially isolate uh, or listen to the government, which is slightly irritating. But so far, we've uh, managed to behave ourselves and not catch it. So, so far, so good. Assuming you're feeling healthy, chaps. Yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I'm feeling healthy. Can I quickly mention my wife's amazing feats? Feet. Not amazing feet. What's wrong with her feet? My wife and all her DT friends in Norfolk have produced over 2,000 visors for healthcare workers and NHS workers. I think that's pretty impressive. Now, Sarah is not a visor maker by trade, is she? No, she's a design and technology teacher who has a 3D printer and a laser cutter. And yeah, she's downloaded programs and bought materials and made visors that are reusable. So not, these aren't disposable. These are ones that can be disinfected and reused. And um, I think she's done an absolutely sterling job with her friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, they're still going on that, and they need a bit of help with buying some of the equipment, don't they? Yeah, and it's the materials. So is there a Just Giving page? There is a Just Giving page. Yesterday, we had a midwife turn up to the house. I mean, obviously, socially distanced and is everything. <laughs> But she collected, I think, 50 visors for her department. So, oh, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit annoyed that we're having to do this as the general public. I think the government should be doing it, but I've got to be careful what I say there. I know, I know, you're ramping up production. Ramp, ramping up production. But look, we're all fed up with the lies that's coming out. There was apparently a whole load of the PPE stuff was nicked by central government to take down to London from Norfolk Norwich Hospital, left them with very little. That isn't in the press. I happen to know that because I'm very, like, on the street with In the, the no. Yeah, too right, Cobra. While you're socially Cobra isolated. Norfolk. But the point is that, you know, to see Matt Hancock going on and saying, we have delivered all these things, it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. Care homes haven't got it. Hospital frontline, some of them are there, yep, some of the time. But hospitals had 24 hours worth of supplies just before this weekend. And it just is a classic example of centralised organisation. Yeah. Corporateness at its best. There's me having a dig again, guys, sorry. But, but you know, if you were responsible for the PPE for the Norfolk Norwich Hospital, you would find it. You would find a way of... You, you individually. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. 
that you can't do that. You have to go through the central process. And there is, as somebody in this process, like all these major companies, Jobsworth, I'm calling out the Jobsworths. There they sit, and they are actually incapable, but they're so important, they just only can't do that. And that's where it all gets stopped. If you had a person who had to get 50,000 masks, mm-hmm. that person would get 50,000 masks. Just building on that, and I'm sorry, everyone, because we should be talking about other things, but here's another key point. So all the masks and visors that Sarah and her friends have made, they've all been manufactured in the UK using UK labour, and I did hear that a load came over from China and they were mislabeled and it wasn't what people thought. So there's another argument here that actually the British government does need to support British manufacturing a bit more as well. Let's go on to British farming. Here we sit with, I mentioned, the neonics, the level playing fields. This is about honesty with people. There's a good argument for decentralisation, is, is my point. And yes, it would be nice if the figures were accurate, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. But I don't think, obviously, it's politics. It's, That's know, why we'll never make it in politics. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's why I never... Do you know what? The reason I have my own little merchant's business is because I could not say yes to the man. I just fell out with so many people. The greasy pole was not for me. And, I, and congratulations to all you guys who are up there who've made it to the top. But, oh, man, you have to do some strange things to do that. So corporateness is, I don't think, in the end, the answer to our problems. And, and having discovered that Bezos has managed to f- furlough a load of staff and at the same time raise his personal fortune by $24 billion just makes me feel even angrier about American companies. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, coming back to... Th- there you go, I've mentioned my wife and her visor-making, so that will please her. OK, let's talk about Donald Trump then. <clears throat> really? <laughs> Best TV there is. I agree, his press conferences are hilarious, and, and I really enjoy them. You're fake, you're fake, you know you're a fake. <laughs> Did anyone see, he got his ass kicked by an interviewer recently. She was like a dog with a bone, it was great. He didn't like it, he was a little sport child in the corner, and he really spat... Um, this is the one where you call her a fake uh, I don't know if it was that particular one one. there was something she she was just no 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 this was another one there was another one quite recently where 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 he uh, she was saying well you found out about it in January and what did you do well we did XYZ beforehand but what did you do during February didn't you get organised we saved a lot of lives (laughs) and then she said well you didn't because all those people died she goes, it's disgraceful. You can't accuse me of such a... It's disgraceful. And it was just amusing. He just... Listen, yeah, it's funny. It was, the guy has decreed that he's going to open America up in May, which from an economic perspective is correct, but certain states might be in a place to do that. There's certain states who haven't reached their peak yet. Well, the IMF have come out and said that they anticipate the American economy will be something like 5.9% down, whereas after the 2009 situation, I think it was 28 something so it's not looking pretty economics is going to be you know where we all sit at the end of this none of us truly understand it do we very grateful we're in agriculture very grateful to be employed and likely to remain that way and what are we going to do with all those people whose businesses have gone broke and we've got experience with a with a sister company with the banks and the financing of you know the loan that rishi has promised us the 350 billion quid the banks are not are definitely not interested in administering a bank-free loan for a year for free. They're just making it as awkward as possible, and they are not putting that money out there. Yeah, I've spoken to a few, they're going to remain nameless, people in other companies who have said, yeah, banks are not letting these loans go. 
And considering they were all bailed out in 2008, this is a bitter pill to swallow. The deals are that the loans are interest-free for a year and then five years attached to that is on, on the bank's back. 80% of the loan is covered by the government, government. anyway. Yeah. So the, the, there's very little risk. What the banks are saying is that the interest, and there's there's reports from talking up to 22% interest per annum. But that's the bank deciding that, not the government. So if anyone took their loan and kept it for six years, they would effectively, if you borrowed a million pounds, you'd end up paying £2.1 million back. Well, no one's going to be able to pay that sort of deal it's crazy. What you would do is take the bank interest-free loan for one year and then yeah. close it out. Yeah. But that's why the banks don't want to know that it's about doing something to help other people survive. They're more interested in going, ah, too much work. That's depressing. And, you know, go back to the friendly bank manager, Ailsham Branch, all those years ago, who helped Ailsham Graham when they set up. I and mean, he's gone. And we get back to the greasy pole, someone way up the tree. The only people you get to now are people who really can play the game, mm. who are in the right place at the right time, avoid all the shit get all the glory, join the people who are successful and pretend they're their mates, and they end up getting promoted and they end up in charge. And and it's those non-decision-making types who, unfortunately, will never make a actual risky decision because they know that if they do, it might go wrong and they might get a sack, so they won't make one. And, and I really am in a really soapbox, pissed off with corporateness day, but it's mainly down to the banks that's got me in this mood, I will add. And Matt Hancock. Yes. I'm ranting, aren't I? You are. Let's come back to uh, more... more, Let's let's come back back to... Let's talk about politics and prices in commodities because we have fundamentals, which are, yes, hot, dry weather, you know, demand. That all makes sense. Politics and what the current politicians decide to do... Let's not forget who we have in charge at the minute. We have Putin in Russia, Trump in America, and Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil. Yeah. These are three powerful men who are all mental. How about Boris? Ah, oh, not on... Sorry, I'm thinking about the commodity agricultural. Yeah, but what, is Boris mental? Hard to know. <laughs> that is hard to know. <laughs> right. So the key figure in commodities to me is Putin in the context of yeah. the, the, the surplus, he is in charge of the biggest kind of potential surplus of, of wheat. And if he decides the price of grain in his own country is getting too high or his people get very fed up with him, because they're, they're a little little disturbed by his behaviour on this yep. uh, COVID so far, and now he's having to admit that actually that is an issue. You know, if he decides the price of grain's gone up because of the ruble's weakness, he can just do, as he's done historically on two or three occasions... I'm not exporting anything. Regardless of the deals he's done with anybody, just renege on the deal. I'm not exporting it. Instantly, prices in Russia go down. Instantly, prices around the rest of the world go up. So he's the strongest, most important card as I see it. True. And the other thing, and you've mentioned this a few times, Andrew, and I think this is an important point, the oil he is producing is worth way, way less in terms of his balance of payments. He needs a win somewhere Mm -hmm. for the Russian economy. So the win being, he could call it, couldn't he? Well, that would be something that would give him some kudos with his people, I would have thought. But, you know, you throw into that mix, I mean, the Brazilian guy is just like more macho than Webby. Yeah, sorry, just on the Brazilian guy, he fired his health minister this week (coughs) because the health minister said they weren't doing enough to restrict COVID. So there you go. 
Okay. Well, I mean, we're all learning from Donald Trump there, aren't we? Um, I mean, Donald Trump is the guy who has created divisiveness in international politics. Some people love all of this conflict and that sort of, you know, macho behaviour, but this is possibly the moment when the world should work together. The fact that he's gone out for who already, it's just unbelievable. He's already covering his tracks because he, he's... You know, look, look, look at the he's... left hand while the right hand does all the damage. Yeah, let's put it in a rugby analogy for you, Joe. If Donald Trump was playing for the opposition, you know, and you were the WHO and he just decided to do that, what tactics would your team have at the start of the game? Would you target him? You'd target him, but I think you'd just be a nice slow death. <laughs> uh, with occasional hits, obviously, in various parts of the game. He'd make it to the pitch then. Oh, yeah, they'd make him on the pitch. They'd make sure we'd hold him on the pitch. He wouldn't be allowed to go off. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it was Mendes, the hooker. He obviously slotted one person, but there was a situation where he he really hit one of the big uh, second rows for England, and the referee was about to sort of give him a good ticking off, the Argentinian player, and basically the second row turned around to the referee and say, do not, under any circumstances, send this man off. He is going to stay on for the rest of the game. Basically, <laughs> yeah. there's a whole another 69 minutes to go. <laughs> Got it. Well, so Don, Donald gets the treatment if we get the chance. But, um, yeah, his divisiveness, unfortunately. What position would Donald play? He, he's a big fella, small hands. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. So Putin would probably be a scrum half. Yeah. Because he's little, isn't he? Yeah, he's possibly. I'd say Putin might be a bit of a hooker, to be honest, because he's an evil little. He is, yeah. So, he's psycho, and yeah, he wants, you want. He's along the lines there. of Richard Cockrell <clears throat> and things like that. Cockrell, um, I would say that Donald Trump might be a fullback. He's got the hairdo for it, and and <laughs> and and he and he, oh, you know, he's prancing around, and he's got a very attractive <laughs> wife, and all that sort of stuff. Definitely wouldn't put him in the row. He just hasn't got the ears for it, and uh, he wouldn't want the graft. Flanker, no chance. Um, so fullback. Fullback definitely would be, or maybe they're all prancy little centre. He might. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something here, isn't there? Leaders in rugby, because who could forget that classic of Boris Johnson taking out a ten-year-old, taking out a ten-year-old <laughs> Japanese kid, yeah. uh, and that Japanese kid didn't know what hit him. Yeah. I think whatever we say here, the fundamentals give the market one steer, but. You know, my God, politics and the people who are in charge of large commodity, agricultural commodity producing countries, they are a whole nother game. But there's, I mean, Romania cancelled exports. Ukraine have said, and Russia at the tail end of this year, they're going to limit the amount that goes out of the old crop. That's not that relevant. No. But there is a, a mood swing. There is a, a divisiveness now. Germany and the richer European nations did not release masks, PP equipment to southern poorer European states. They went, no, we're having them for ourselves. Mm. The dynamic of that, the damage of that, the breakdown of European cooperation. I mean, what do you do when your people are dying? Give it to, give it to the Italians who haven't bought any masks or who've got a bigger peak than you have at that point in time. The mentality's changed, I think. This is new ground. My point is the politics will come in and... The politics could blow all the fundamentals <clears throat> out of the water. Yeah. Quite simply. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my biggest fear. We make all the rational decisions and then Putin makes an announcement on May the 25th unexpectedly and says no exports from Russia until January. Yeah. At which point the whole of the European price goes, shit, we're an importing country this year. 
2021 will be an exporting country and will be Brexit. Let's not forget Brexit. Lovely old Brexit. It was such comfy times talking about that. Yes. Our, gov- our government has said, no, we're not having any negotiations at the moment. We're going to leave on the 31st. So it's fairly clear they don't give a shit about that. They want to leave, fair enough, and they want to leave on a no deal. So at least we're clear about that. Yeah. So 2021, we won't have export, even though we'll have a surplus. There we go. You know, moaning about the government and coronavirus makes me feel like Brexit's kind of cuddly now. Yeah, Brexit was an easy subject. (laughs) Less prickly. Let's talk about S&D then, so the drought. Norfolk didn't get any rain. That doesn't really matter, does it? Lots of Russia did, but not the key area, did it? Just north of the Black Sea. Correct. Lots of Northern Europe, Scandinavia, UK is very deficit on moisture. Yeah. Um, There is a, I mean, uh, not totally relevant, but interesting, mega drought in the western side of the United States, and they are calling it a mega drought. Which states? Just the western sort of California. Washington. Down the side of the Rockies. Yeah. On the western side, they are saying, they're calling it a mega drought. Apparently America does have them, but this one could be ginormous. Okay. Not that that's a major cereal producing area, but in those states, you get a lot of your fruits, Mm. avocado, you know, nuts. Almonds. Bit of anecdotal stuff. Friend of a farmer of a farmer. You know, he's based down in sort of southern Germany. Also very, very concerned by drought. So drought... King card to play, possibly. Putin, king card to play, possibly. What's the other players? UK importer. Corn. Corn stocks, yeah? Corn, ethanol, usage gone. Are farmers going to plant the acres in America? They reckon they are. So far they're on track, aren't they? I mean, very minimal data coming out, but they are... Pretty much where they are, yeah, they're doing, they're doing it. But as you pointed out a number of times before, the price of obviously what it is at the moment and the cost of production doesn't add up. It's going below that, isn't it? The cost of production is, in my opinion, in some places, it isn't in the right place, subject to average yields. Sorry, just going about UK importing. I mean, are we going to be? Should we mention these rumours about Danish new crop wheat? I think you just did. Okay, there we go. Word has it. Word has it that some cargoes of Danish new crop wheat have traded into the UK. How dare they? Oh, it's cheaper. It's oh. Well, it, it, at a point it was cheaper, not anymore, but there you go. That's You see, currency is the swing on that, isn't it? Currency, yeah. UK has been very firm, so importing stuff is becoming cheaper and cheaper every time <clears> the pound goes up. What do we think currency is going to do? I mean, currency guessing is, is a game for fools, which sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. We are the fools, but... It has gone up to 115 against the euro nearest Yeah, moment. yeah. What can you take on a view on currency? Um, it'll be whichever country can get their economy back to relative normality. I mean, the problem Europe's got, and I never thought I'd say this, being a non-Brexiteer, Europe's too big and there's too many different situations going on. So Germany's now saying, well, we might start opening up. But, you know, what about France, Spain, Italy? Whereas at least with the UK, it's slightly clearer picture. What, we're not going to open up for three more weeks? I don't believe that's the case. And then it'll be another three weeks after that, won't it? If they can get the mass testing out or something, I I can't, three weeks. Oh, the mass testing. 100,000 tests a day by the end of April. (laughs) Good point. Back to central central <laughs> government. So currency, uh, the judgment our government makes will have a critical effect on currency. We are now coming up to be the worst figures, but they're only reporting hospital deaths. So 
Yeah. Our figures are just as accurate as China's. China have just announced, haven't they, that there was a 50% increase. Yeah, so instead of having 3,000, they had four and a half or something, which is just stupid, isn't it? I mean, there's a conspiracy theory going around that the Chinese, in fact, invented the virus. None of their key leaders have got it. You know, none of their key cities closed down, Beijing, etc. That's not true. You know, if they did get it in the central, you know, management team, if you like, then I don't think they'd admit to it. The figures were greater. We said that all along. And certainly the deaths were greater, but we're never going to get the accurate figures. Where they need to be called out is the fact that that virus was discovered a lot earlier than when they announced it. That is where the argument's going to really be the bitterest, I think, when it gets... Agreed. That and the fact that if you uh, live in the north, apparently 5G masks give you coronavirus. Did you hear that one? Live in the north of England? Yeah. 5G masks. So people apparently in Liverpool specifically have been burning down 5G masts because they heard that they were spreading coronavirus. <laughs> I know. How about that? Um, you didn't want to say that. No, no, I can't, I can't believe that, no. It's I, true, Andrew. It is true. I laughed and then it wasn't... And then not only that, I think, is it Eamon Holmes? Go on, Joe. He didn't deny it. He was sort of questioned it on live TV and, it was, and it's now being sort of investigated. It was a priceless moment. It's a physics issue, isn't it? A metal post can't, yeah. by definition, spread bacteria. Physics and IQ issue, isn't it? Are you having a crack at the north of England? Because that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Okay. Because Norfolk's supposed to be the thickest place in the country. And uh, luckily, we haven't got any uh, mo- mo- mobile coverage, so <laughs> we haven't got to worry about it. That's why we've got the lowest figures. It's probably right. Good God. <laughs> oh, no. Don't let Eamon Holmes listen to this. He'll be <clears throat> quoting you on live TV. I had my birthday last week, and uh, I went on a pub crawl, and my pub crawl consisted of the patio. I had a drink there, Buck's Fizz. I then went down to the little summer house the girls play in, and uh, in the bottom of the bit of the garden, and uh, I had a, I think I had a lager in there. And then they've got a little shed where they, you know, where they they have their horses tack room. So I had one in there. I can't wait. I had, I had something exotic in there, Harvey Wallbanger which is made of vodka, galliano and orange juice. Then I went into the treehouse, which is a marvellous structure, and I had a gin and tonic. And then I went back to the other end of the patio where I started. I had a little, uh, little fire pit. It was great. I had a, it's, it's a superb pub crawl. A load of old mates I played rugby with, one of them decided to set up a WhatsApp group, and it has something in the region of 150-plus participants. One of the lads, it was his birthday... And so they decided to do a quick video of, you know, like saying happy birthday to him and uh, neck a pint. And then they'd nominate someone else. The birthday was on Saturday and they've continued to nominate people up until I think yesterday. They were still nominating people each other. And then they've sort of had to draw on a closure on that. But then just by sheer chance, someone else's birthday is now also <laughs> appeared. So they're back in the motion. It's funny how you do appreciate some of the things that you you know, that you took for granted, don't you know? And it does make it a bit more interesting than just pouring yourself out a, a drink and kind of sitting there. Ben's just been to answer the phone. It's very exciting. We had a phone call. And um, we were just talking about um, my birthday pub crawl. And then uh, Joe was saying that what people are doing to drink. Have you done anything with any of your mates or anything like at a Zoom dinner? Oh, or? yeah, I've done pretty well. So every Saturday, I hook up with nine friends and their partners. And we do Zoom. So what have we done? We've done a quiz. We've done a cook together mm-hmm. we've done charades this saturday we've got another quiz and then next saturday we're doing another cook together it's going really well 
Yeah. Didn't cost so much money either, does it? No, and I uh, last week I took my boys camping down the bottom of the garden, mm-hmm. and we cooked over the fire pit. Bet they loved that, didn't they? They loved it. Webby, who's missing today, because he's busy... Um... Not changing nappies. So any, any news on that one? He's not changed a nappy yet. Oh. He did suggest that this weekend might be the weekend for it. He has suggested that on suggested. occasions. He's become very kind of laid back and he's shaved his hair off. Yeah, but he was very self-conscious of it this morning because he sat there whilst we were talking on the on the uh, video call. He sat there, keep looking at himself and he's obviously on his phone and kept looking and actually doing the side pose, looking at himself, side pose, back again, rubbing his hair, profile. Look profile, the profile call, you know, and, uh, Checking how and many then he chins. checked out how many chins he got as well. <laughs> um, he ran out of fingers on that one. But um, <laughs> For those uh, listeners who are interested in Webby's uh, macho parenting, then uh, I'm afraid he's had no sign of the smelly end of the baby yet. Shocking. So, um, another sunny day. I mean, that's kept us all sane in this difficult time, isn't it? Yeah, really sane. I've been biking to work, so I'm really sylph-like. I'm balancing up my exercise with cans of beer. <laughs> so I'm about the same place. Another week goes by. The market has been incredibly volatile. I think we've got some more excitement to come. You lot need to consider the risk aspect. We've talked about it. It could go down on the basis of where the hell is demand going to be for cereals? We don't know. What is the impact of this in terms of all this consumption change? Um, What is the the impact of all of this oil not being used? It could be incredibly bearish. But then on the other hand, you could say, right, I better sell everything. And then good old Vladimir comes along and says, unlucky boys. We're out. (laughs) We're out of the market. And then uh, you can blame your grain trader for telling you to sell it. So um, good luck. Flip a coin. Do something. If you've done nothing on new crop, the price is 160 for one of the months during the year further on, isn't it? For goodness sake, do something. The the crop has pulled together. I appreciate there's a drought, but there are some half decent looking wheats if we do get some rain. Mm. If you're sure we're not going to get any rain, stick with it. So with that happy thought, we look forward to being here next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewandgrain. The Dewing Grain Podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 